<laughs> I've already cried too much this morning, just even during worship. And so I'm sorry. This series is not an easy series for me as a pastor, mostly because I'm learning that I've been serving the Lord for 20 years and I've forgotten so much of the love of God and how he likes me and receives me and paid the price for me. And so um, this is hard uh, for me. And this series is actually super scattered uh, because I, I have a hard time unpacking grace or understanding it. I think that it's super messy. I feel like it's not, it's not clear. It's not defined. And uh, it, it, it often bothers me. What I realize about how important grace is, is that Paul opened up, Paul, John, and Peter opened up 16 different letters in the New Testament, wishing grace to the people of God. He closed at least 12 letters. They closed at least 12 letters, wishing grace to the people. And I guess I've tripped over the idea because I believe that I've understood it as an idea and as a principle. And I think that the hard thing that I'm learning about grace is that it is a person and it has to be experienced. And as I'm experiencing grace again, it is wrecking my life and causing a crazy love for the Lord. And uh, if I was to be completely honest with you, I feel like I've done this whole thing wrong. Um, and I'll, and it's, it's terrible to say that I feel like I failed because I've missed it. But the idea that I could say that I feel like I failed because I've missed it is, is the whole reason why I can't say that. Because I realize that um, there's a part of me and I think a part in a lot of us that feel like we're not Christian enough to serve Christ. And that's exactly why God sent his son because you'll never be good enough. Jesus had to do it for you. This letter today I'm going to read to you is uh, going to be found in Galatians. I'm pretty much going to go over the whole book of Galatians. The Apostle Paul said in, in, in chapter 2, verse 20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. It's not me that lives, but it's Christ now that lives in me. And the life that I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. And uh, this, there's a lot of different chapters in the Bible regarding grace. Romans chapter 5, 6, 7, 8. Um, and the whole book of Galatians really zeroes in on, on Galatians. And so today, uh, my hope is to talk a lot about works and um, what's wrong in our culture because of it. Does that make sense? With that being said, let's pray. And uh, Lord willing... Um, Jesus, thank you. Help me. Amen. I, uh, I'm going to get really emotional today, and I'm trying not to. I actually um, changed the sermon twice, and uh, I'm going with what is written Uh because I believe that God's just got me in a weird place. So I'm trying to discipline myself. Here's what you need to know. The letter of Galatians is written to the church of Galatia. Uh, Paul 
in the in the book of Acts, you can find uh, the experience of Paul birthing and launching and his love for the church of Galatia, all between Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 15. Um, Galatia, it was birthed when the church of Galatia, Galatians, was birthed when Paul visited the city uh, in, of Antioch, which is today the modern uh, country of Turkey. Uh, and so he traveled quite north uh, to, to start the church of Galatians. And um, what's happened in this, uh, this letter in Galatians, Paul is actually probably one of his most passionate writings. He is upset when he writes this letter. He is hurt and he is bothered. And quite, there's several times where Paul is quite rude um, because of how much love that he had for these people and what's gone wrong since he's been there. So with that being said, um, I realize that this is still a massive problem in our society and in people today. And Paul's trying to correct it in a beautiful way. What's happened is uh, Paul, he got saved. He had a crazy encounter with Jesus. He talks about in Galatians chapter one. And uh, then he, he goes and he trains and he learns and he sits under the apostles. And he, with this encounter with Jesus, uh, he begins to travel and preach the gospel. And as he's seeing people come to get saved, he goes back and meets with Peter and John and all the apostles. And he says, hey, look, when I'm preaching the gospel, I am not telling people that they need to fulfill the law. I am seeing non-Jewish Christians come to know the Lord and uh, they're becoming Christians and we're not making them do all of these things. And they like this. They said, yes, we believe that this lines up with the teachings of Jesus, that he fulfilled everything for us. They don't have to do all this stuff. And so then when he hears from them, he realizes that everything has changed. Peter had visited uh, Galatia, and uh, he's visiting there for so long. And what happens is there's so many uh, non-Jewish Christians now that's almost equal to the same amount of, of Jewish Christians. And the Jewish Christians are kind of looking uh, down on the non-Jewish Christians as if we do a lot more than you. We are more Christian than you are. And the non-Jewish Christians kind of feel like they need to follow the law and fulfill a lot more of the rules that were made up for them. Does that make sense? And Paul opens this letter quite frustrated. But I want to remind you, throughout the New Testament, Paul said, grace to you, grace to you grace to you, that you'd be multiplied with grace, multiplied with grace. And if we could define the word grace today, I believe it would be summed up like this. If mercy is that you um, are not receiving what you do deserve, grace would be the opposite. Grace would be you receiving what you simply don't deserve, that you're receiving what you simply don't deserve, that you're receiving what you simply don't deserve. Lord Jesus, would you help me? I'm going to start off in Galatians chapter one. This is a teaching today. It's a little different. I'm not going to be as like motivating today. I'm just simply going to try to give you some facts that's happening in our apostles uh, relationship with God and his frustration with his friends uh, in current modern day Turkey. Galatians chapter one, verse six and seven. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is no real gospel at all. He's saying, 
you're turning to another gospel. What gospel is it that you'd say that they're turning to? They're falling back on all the rules and all the regulations that they feel like they had to do to become a Christian to begin with. And so the, the, the Jewish Christians were like, hey, look, you've got to fulfill some of these mandates. And what they looked like was they had to eat kosher. They had to um, fulfill the Sabbath. They had to male circumcision. There was a lot of rules that like, hey, look, you're not godly enough. We've been godly for years and now we've found the fulfillment of our faith, but we still have to practice all of the rules all along. And he's like, that's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus, not everything else. And I find within our culture, everything else. Let me keep showing you here. If we were to turn to uh, Galatians chapter three, I'm gonna ask you today, if you would just actually get out your phones and get out your Bibles today uh, and go with me to Galatians chapter three. It's, it's in the New Testament. And uh, I'm gonna read most of the chapter of Galatians chapter three today. And so if you would just stay with me in, in, and I'm gonna, even though some of you aren't there, I'm gonna start for the sake of time. Galatians chapter three, uh, he would start off with this. He says, oh, uh, Oh, you foolish Galatians. Here he is being super kind, right? Nothing like writing some friends and going, are you guys idiots or what? Uh, and this is what he's saying. He's quite bothered. And he says, who, who cast an evil spell on you? Uh, I, I heard a teaching someone sent to me this week that was really quite encouraging about this chapter, which is weird because I was planning to study on it. And uh, the guy's take on this verse said this. He said that the evil eye is translated in the Greek. I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but I think it lines up with the, with the tone and the meaning of the chapter is baskino. Uh, the evil eye would mean baskino, meaning an evil eye. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have ever experienced the evil eye, but my parents, when I was a kid, could perfect it like no one else, you know? They can look at you with one glance and tell you a million words. You can download it all with one look, you know? And uh, what I kind of get a sense of is that in this chapter, uh, the, the, there are people that are looking at them with an evil eye, almost as if they're missing the mark. You know, when you see someone stroll up in church not quite as Christian as you are, and you feel just straight judged. There are some moms that are walking in today and their kids' hair is halfway brushed, you know? And uh, they, uh, there are several times my kids have made it to church and they didn't have shoes on their feet, but you know what? They made it to church and uh, you think I'm lying, uh, but I'm telling you. And so there's some times where you just feel like people are looking at you like you missed the mark, that you just aren't right there. Who, 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 who cast an evil spell on you for the, or an evil eye on you for the meaning of Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you saw a picture of his death on the cross? Let, let me ask you one question. He, he says, did you, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course you didn't. He's, he's talking almost so condescending, like, of course you didn't. He says, you received the Spirit because you believed the message that you heard about Jesus. How foolish can you be that after starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to perfect by your own human effort? And I think about this 
in relationship to where we are today. There are so many of us that feel so guilty that we are not Christian enough for Christ. You've got to know that this is exactly why Jesus went to the cross. Because you can't do it on your own. I, my first point today is, is simply this. God's not impressed with your godliness. There are some people here that feel like you've got it all together and it makes it easier for you to look down on other people who are simply sitting next to you and they don't sing as loud as you or lift their hands quite as high as you. You want everyone to know, and Jesus talked about this in the gospels, man, about like, hey, look, when you pray, you don't have to pray like the hypocrites do, praying as loud. Like there are some people here that feel like they can't pray when all praying is, is talking to God. Is it because we feel like people are looking down on us? Well, Paul is writing here and he's saying like, are you doing this on your own with your own human effort? After receiving Jesus by faith, why are we now trying to become like him on our own? God's not impressed with your godliness. I, I think about it like this. Dustin said years ago, I, I mean, it was like years ago, but I always stuck with me. And anything, anytime you quote Dustin, it's probably a bad thing, you know? But... Um, <laughs> He said that, um, he said, when God's looking down from heaven, he's not super impressed with us like a worship leader, like I'm so good at leading worship, you know, or like a preacher or a teacher that wrote this great doctrine. God's not looking at it and going, man, that's a good teacher right there. Like if he's looking down at musicians, he's seen everyone from Beethoven to Bach. I promise Rachel is not that impressive to him. He may be to all of us, but she like, like, and I, I think you're fantastic, but it's, we get this in our head that like, we're godly. And, and when God's looking down from heaven, I feel like God just is proud of all of us. Like this, Dustin said, that he, I remember he did a small group once and he made everyone do finger paintings. And, and he said that God, God, is, God is impressed with us as if this great art that we've designed is as good as a finger painting. Now, what parent didn't see their kid come home from kindergarten with the worst drawing you've ever seen in your life and not go, that's so good right there, isn't it? Like it's, no, it's not. Let me just break it down to you. It's not that impressive, but my kid did it. And that I know, um, my, my kids did it. And so, um, but you see what the, the God is proud of is you, not what you're doing, but we're trying to do it all in our, in our, this is what the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 64, verse six. He says, all of us have become like one who is unclean. We've become like one who was unclean and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. This is in the Old Testament. This is not in the New Testament. He's saying everything that you're doing for Christ, all the ceremonial hand washings and all of the not eating this and eating this and, and all of the things that we're trying to do, it's not making you more godly. Jesus is making you godly. Yes. He paid the price. If you can become Christian on your own, God would have never, ever, ever let his son go through what he went through. Amen. Because he loves us. Mm. He's not that impressed with your righteousness. See, the, the law couldn't be obeyed. There were 613 laws. You simply could not do all of these things. If, and if you 
this is what you need to know is that if you, I don't know, I'm going to go back to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 on your phones, pull them back out. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under a curse. This is not me. Those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under a curse. For the scripture says, Cursed is everyone who does not, who does not observe and obey, key word here, all of the commandments that are written in God's book of the law. If you don't obey all of them, you're cursed. Well, that's bad news. Why? Because you broke the law. Listen, if you, it, it doesn't, you don't have to kill 80 people to be a murderer. You just got to kill one. You don't have to steal 20 things to be a thief. You just got to steal one. You, you don't have to break, you don't have to break 613 or 612 or 600, whatever uh, sins to be a sinner. You just got to break one. And now we've sinned and we're tainted. And there's evil inside of us that's always fighting to try to earn something, earn its way out. And we, so the way we feel more righteous is by finding someone else who's not righteous. We try to become more Christian by looking down on someone else who's not as Christian. And it's a real awful scenario. Whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at yet at least one point is guilty of breaking all of them. Um, we couldn't obey the law. That's why it's there. And so as many of us are trying to fulfill something that only Jesus could fulfill for us. Uh, this message is about works. It's about understanding that many of you feel like you're not good enough. You'll always live behind that unless you let him love you. Maybe that insecurity rolls over into other relationships in your life. And the beauty of Jesus is when he says, you're good. You're good. You're beautifully and perfectly made. You're, you're, everything about you is good. And you can carry all of those insecurities trying to be good enough, trying to earn, trying to achieve, but you'll strive and you'll strive and you'll strive and you'll strive. And at some point, you've got to look God in the eye and say, thank you. First point today is that God's not that impressed with your godliness. The second point is your faith saved you, not your righteousness. And we were to keep reading here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. I just read verse 10. I'm going to read it back to you one more time. But those that depend on the law to make them right with God are under a curse. For the scripture says, Cursed is everyone who does not observe the law and obey all of the commandments that are written in the book. Verse 11. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. It's by your faith. It's by your faith. Now, what do you say? Like, some of you are like, dude, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, ceremonial hand washings and 
fulfilling all of the all of the, the the Jewish dinners and festivals and everything. Look, like if you enjoy doing the festivals and it brings you closer to the Lord, then eat them. It's not a mandate, and it doesn't make you more godly because you do them and someone else doesn't. There's nothing wrong with that. Anything you want to do, it's great, but it doesn't make you Christian. Jesus does. And it's important that we understand that because God's not impressed with our godliness. He's impressed with Jesus's. That's why I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I that live, but Christ that lives in me and the life that I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. Let me read this to you here. So, so it's, it's by faith in Jesus that has saved us, not our own righteousness. There's a, there's a story in the book of Acts, chapter um, something, verse something. <laughs> I think it's 17. Anyways, it says this in verse 29. The jailer called for the lights, and he ran into the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And they brought them out and asked Paul and Silas, who were in prison, Sir, what must I do to be saved? 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 He didn't say, I want you to go home and wash your hands and I want you to read the Torah and I want you to have it all memorized and I want you to um, uh, make sure all of your children are circumcised and I want you to, no, 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 no. He says, I want you to believe in the Lord Jesus. Verse 31 they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's it. Now that doesn't feel right. That doesn't sit right. Some of us feel like we need to do more and I'm sorry, it really is that simple. He is good. I am not. He loves me, and that's it. It's not just here in, seven, in Acts chapter 2, verse 10. He says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Verse 17, and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's got to call on Jesus. He died for you. His father would not have given up his son if it wasn't necessary. So what's the purpose of the law then, right? Like what was the point of all of these ceremony, all 613 rules? If, if, if I don't need to do them, why was it necessary? Well, here you go. I, Paul answers it in Galatians chapter three. He's so upset because they're feeling like they've got to go back and do all this stuff. I'm going somewhere, I promise. Verse 19, what purpose then does the law serve? Verse 24, he said this, let me put it to you another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us as we, until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the, the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as a guardian. This is a problem because Paul has Jewish Christians and non-Jewish Christians all serving the Lord and there's a comparison thing going on. Many of us in the society we live in because of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, because of everything we see on TV, there's a comparison thing going on. 
where I don't feel Christian enough for Christ because there's a comparison thing going on. Well, that guy's more godly than me. By what standard? What did they do other than believe Jesus? And someone would say, come on, it can't be that simple. What about works? The works will come, I promise. The works will come, I promise. The works will come, I promise. Let me read this. Oh, man. I'm going to read it to you right now anyways. I'm skipping ahead. I found this last week, and it blew me away. Because if I don't need to do anything for Jesus, like I don't have to, I'm not a great Christian because I'm your pastor. God's not any more impressed with me than he is Keith. He's not any more impressed with Keith than he, than he is Dina. He's not any more impressed with Dina than he is Matt. We are all, he's impressed with his son Jesus who stands as an advocate before us. That's it. So I'm reading and I'm like, I, all my life I've loved works. I've loved pain for my own sin. I feel like I can't talk to God until I'm right with God. I feel like if, if I've yelled at my kids, I can't talk to God until I apologize to them. I feel like I'm not good enough because I've done so many things wrong that I wanna pay for my own sin. And then it makes the cross void and meaningless. And so he, I found this passage and I thought it was so wonderful. I read some of it to you last week. He says in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight through 10, for it is by grace, grace to you, grace to you, grace to you, grace to you. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast about it. It's not by anything you've done so no one can boast about it. You can't read enough or memorize enough or give enough or attend enough or serve enough or you, you can't do enough to be saved. And then he says this, so, so it's not by works and I love it, I love it, I love it. But the very next verse, verse 10 says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Wait, I don't understand. What the heck is he saying? He's like, look, it's your destiny to do good works. You're going to do good things. But this is the overflow of grace. When you have a good heart, when, you're, well, when my wife is so kind to me, I'm like, this is awesome, man. I'll like take the trash out now and like I want to do more. Kindness draws us to repentance. When we have a clean heart and we sense the kindness of God, we want to do more for him. You were created to do good works, which God prepared long ago. But you don't have to do works to be loved by God. You're loved by God regardless of whether or not you've read your Bible ever. Or you've never gone to church before. You're still loved by God. You don't have to tithe to be saved. You don't have to uh, show up on Sunday mornings or serve on the worship team or come to church for six hours, which some of you do and I'm so thankful for. Um, but that's the overflow because he loves me. Not so he'll love me. And some of you are, you may have to do things at work to try to get ahead, but that doesn't apply to Christianity. And so many of us are looking at someone else going, I suck. That person is really good at prayer. They know the Bible. And like, it's cool if you want to memorize like a chapter or a verse that's wonderful. But you have to understand, the Jewish kids had to memorize the whole Old Testament. So imagine them, the jailer coming to Paul and Silas and saying, hey, what must I do to be saved? All right, go home, 
memorize, just, you know, start with the Torah, start with the Pentateuch and, and, uh, and go ahead and memorize all that and then come back to me and I'll, 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 I'll lead you from there. Just believe in the one who, who was the word. Jesus is the word. I don't have to memorize it. Now, uh, okay. I say all that to say this. I said all of that to say this. I say all of that to say this. John chapter 14, 23. I just, my, my third point tonight is just love Jesus. He says, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Just love him. Just love him. Just love him. Just love him. And if you, the John, first John said that we love him because he first, we love him because he first loved if you let him just like you, even though you're not good enough or you're not pretty enough or you don't, you're not smart enough, if you let him love you despite all of your insecurities, this is what people do is because we're insecure, we, 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 we push back in relationships that are good. We'll hurt people that love us because we're hurting. And Jesus says, I know that you're hurting. I know that you're not right. Just let me love you. We love him because he first loved us. John chapter 14 said it this way. Jesus said it this way. Jesus answered him and he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. I used to read this as if it said this. If you love me, then you'll keep my word. And now I see it completely different. It's a love thing. Hey, if you love me, you'll keep my word. Don't, don't worry about it. Love me. It, it, it's, it's not, he's not angry at you. He's not, until you do these things, you're not loving me. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you love me, you, you'll take care of it. Let's work on enjoying each other. You don't, you're not required to pray three times a day in, facing west or facing any direction. And you but God desires you. And if you let him love you, you'll understand that prayer is enjoyable. It's fun. It's good. Man, it's the best part of my day when I sit with the Lord and I've got all these things wrong in my life and then I just let him love on me and now I'm not insecure going into any situation in my life. But I'm as bold as a lion. I'm as confident because I know him who lives in me. Yes. If you love me, you'll obey everything else. Don't worry about it. Some of you are fighting because you don't feel like you read the Bible enough. You definitely don't feel like you pray enough. You definitely aren't as good of a worshiper. You don't give as much. You don't serve as much. God, what is it that you like about me? You know, it's funny. One day, the doctor handed me this kid. And it was covered in just grossness. <laughs> and it was the greatest, most beautiful, precious thing that I'd ever seen in my entire life. It literally looked like a finger painting. <laughs> and it was perfect in every way. And I don't know if you understand that's who you are to him. Just let him love you. Does that make sense? Grace to you means you don't deserve it, but I need you to receive it. I'm gonna have the worship team come and um, I'm gonna skip that whole last part. Please. I need you to get this because um, I'm getting it. And um, it's, it's, it's wrecking me. 
But the Apostle Paul wrote this letter of Galatians so angry that people felt like they, they couldn't pray because they didn't pray enough. They couldn't read the Bible because they didn't know how. They, and like if, you, if you don't know how to pray, that's a better reason to start praying. But you don't. It will come. Let him love you. Uh, as we close today, um, this is what I need you to know. I know that I know that I know that some of you in this room have been hurt by people. People lied to you and they let you down. And some of those things have caused you to misunderstand the gospel and cause you to feel like you're not good enough. But the Father wants you to know that He, you're perfect. Yes. He is absolutely in love with you. And I'm sorry for the rejection and I'm sorry for the trying to be better and I'm sorry that because people let you down you feel like now you need to earn love but love actually just happens. It, someone just takes interest in you and they, they wholeheartedly commit and covet to possess all of you just the way you are. Just the way you are. Just the way you are. I need you to understand that God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And it starts with you letting the creator of the universe into your life and letting him love you without you doing anything in return. And you saying, thank you. I received the gift of grace. <laughs>